Do you love watching sports highlights? Five Star, the world's first sports highlight rating app is here. Athletes and fans can share, view, and rate the best sports highlights between one and five stars. The app is comment-free and has athletes of all skill levels, even pros like Kylie O'Miller, Kyle Harrison, and the 2022 PLL MVP, Trevor Baptiste. Download five-star highlights to earn yours. Welcome to 2023. It's the Quintessential Lacrosse Podcast. Quint Kastanek, we're going to be joined by Navy head coach Joe Amplow as we turn the page on, uh, for me, what was a uh, an entertaining bowl season. I got to do four games, got to travel uh, almost halfway across the world, starting out in L.A. at the uh, Jimmy Kimmel Bowl on radio. Let me tell you, if we can ever play lacrosse at SoFi Stadium, that'll be certainly special. That place is awesome. I moved from there to Hawaii. I actually brought my family. Uh, I have an aunt and uncle and a cousin who live in Honolulu. They have since the early 70s. So got to spend a week in Hawaii, which was just magical. Went on some hikes, ate some incredible food, went up to the North Shore, covered a football game. Uh, and then flying home, I, uh, Coach, I, I got embroiled in the Southwest uh, cancellations, and I was stuck in Las Vegas with my family, my 13-year-old daughter, for a day. I would have been fine. You know, I, 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 I can certainly find a way to have fun uh, on, uh, on a Monday in, in Las Vegas, but uh, my 13-year-old struggled with that. We eventually got home, and then the next day I was on to Orlando for the Cheez-It Bowl. I overrate uh, in terms of Cheez-Its. Got to watch Florida State. It's a team I think that uh, people need to take uh, take close consideration for next year because they're hitting the portal hard and they're doing great work. I think the uh, Seminoles are going to be good. And I finished up in the Cotton Bowl. I was down in Dallas uh, for three days, uh, Jerry's World, uh, for just an incredible comeback. Tulane miraculously put together a perfect storm to uh, beat USC at the buzzer. Uh, Caleb Williams, the Heisman winner, was was unbelievable. So it was a nice cross-section, Coach, as, as we – Suddenly I get back home and I realize it's lacrosse season. You know, the, uh, I was texting some friends yesterday who have, who have sons who play and they're like, well, they report on Saturday and practice starts next week. Well, it, it's quite, kind of amazing how fast it sneaks up after the holidays. Where are you guys in terms of where's Navy in terms of the, the calendar right now? What's next? Wow, man, we're looking at the weather report after hearing where you went the past uh, couple of weeks. I realized that we're playing lacrosse in the wrong areas of the country, man. Um, we start on Monday, actually our first team meeting Sunday night. The guys report back to the yard on Friday and reform begins and, uh, and we get going. You know, our first uh, scrimmage is against Virginia on the 29th. So uh, it'll come fast and furious here for us. I got your first game on Saturday, February 4th against Mount. Uh, when you guys come back to school, uh, are academics up and full, or is there a little uh, – the second semester starts right away? Yeah, classes start on Tuesday. There's uh, there's some briefs these guys have to uh, pay attention to and do some, some military stuff the first few days back. Um, but then school starts in earnest on, on, uh, on Tuesday, and it's a regular semester for these guys. So you'll start things up. You bring a squad of what, 50 or so back? Uh, yeah, we're 57. You know, we've always got, and there's always 15 to 20% of our roster that's nicked up, right? So there's never 57 guys that are on the field with us. Um, but I think we're relatively healthy. I do think we're going to be close to, to that number or as close as we've been. Um, but yeah, you, you can assume somewhere around 50 will be on the practice field on, on, um, on Monday for us. My brother's a Navy alum. Uh, back in the day uh, when they used to have a JV program. And he actually started on the JV program for one year before being elevated to varsity, eventually seeing some playing time as a junior and a senior. But it was very, it was functional back then. They played a schedule. Uh, it was a developmental group. 
you had a lot of athletes probably from underdeveloped areas who needed some time with the stick. That wasn't my brother's situation, but uh, it, it was functional for them. Uh, and, and it seems I get the feeling that coaches right now struggling with roster size, you know, with the, with the extra, you don't have the extra COVID year, but other, other teams do. No, uh, but you know, I think everybody's rosters are inflated and my, my thought, not just the COVID coin, it's, it's the growth of the sport, the bottom levels and the pyramid just, there's only so many spots to go around. And for us coaches, when we see these good players, you don't want to turn them down. And there's more good players than ever before to choose from. So, and for me, you know, taking over a program, we over-recruited a little bit. I didn't realize the, the level, level of attrition would not be as great. I mean, Navy's got the number one retention rate in the country, which is shocking to me. Um, but now I see it, right? I see why, um, but I didn't expect that coming in. So we over-recruited a little bit, you know? So we had to make some cuts this year and we, we got down to 57. Um, so it's something that we're going to continue to manage as we move forward. But I think everybody's dealing with it to your point. I want to go back before we, before we dive deep into, into this uh, Navy midshipman team. I want to talk about uh, Team USA, your defensive coordinator. A couple of weeks ago, the, the final roster came out. I hope to be in San Diego covering the world championships next summer. Uh, on, in terms of defense, uh, man, I, I think you picked a, a, a really, really solid group. And I, I don't want to ask you about specific choices, but just qualities that stand out through a tryout process. And I think that's valuable for a lot of our listeners who maybe are trying out for a club team, trying out for a varsity at the high school level. Like what are the qualities what are things that make the difference in a tryout setting for young athletes when they're competing for spots? Yeah, that's a great question. First, let me just start by saying how blessed I am to be a part of that process. I think, you know, I'm so lucky to now do it the second time. And every event we have is so energizing and exciting. And you walk away humbled by being around the best players in the world. And we take that responsibility to heart. It's, um, it's not an easy thing. It's not, you know, there's, there was 53 players at the end and we truly could have taken any one of them and built a team that can be competitive to win the world championship. But for us, we're looking for specific things that we need. So for, for me specifically defensively, it's, I need team defenders in the way that we want to play. And I said, the last two tryout experiences with these guys, I said, look, every one of you guys can play the ball good enough to defend. You know, you're not going to make this team with your ability to play the ball, whether you're a short stick, a long stick midi, a transition guy. All of you are good enough in that moment on the ball to, to defend who we're going to need to defend. It's your ability to play off the ball and play together. And quite frankly, understand the things that I'm going to teach, Charlie and I are going to teach in a short amount of time because we don't have a long extended training camp. We have you know, two, three days before we, we get to San Diego. And then your training camp really is the tournament, right? You're trying to, to build what your defense should look like at the end in a two-week span. So there's that level of trust and comfort that is necessary when you're trying to build a team that you can coach. You brought four shorties, or you're going to bring four shorties, which makes a lot of sense. I'm talking to Coach Danowski about long possessions it's just a slow paced game and if you bring three and somebody gets hurt then you're down to two and they got to run every shift and that's not going to work so that seemed to be uh critical in your selections and then uh positional versatility guys who are a little flexible maybe play some close maybe play some pole uh if in doubt they could play a, a shift to shorty i mean you gave michael Earhart or jesse bernhardt a short they could probably pull that off or maybe even jt giles harris but how, how would you assess 
that that aspect of it, the versatility and and the and the role definitions. Yeah, that was you know going into it the first time, I, I didn't realize how important that was, and then going through that tournament, you realize, I mean, it, it can hit the fan quickly, and when it does, you need to have a plan. Um, so you have to prepare for that. So the versatility was number one. Uh, we needed guys who could play a lot of positions. And you look at someone like Liam Burns. I mean, he could play. He plays indoor. He could play with a short stick. Plays down low in in um, in the PLL. And he played long stick midi for me at Marquette. Right, Jesse Bernhardt. I think he's the world's best off ball defender. Truthfully, our defense changes when he's in there. People look at him as more of a long stick midi. That's a good thing for me, right? Because he can play down low and organize the defense, but also if needed, he can go up top. Uh, and to your point with JT Giles, I think all of those guys, while they do have some specificity in their game, they are versatile enough. And the thing that I fought hard for was the four short sticks. And I'm really thankful that Coach Janowski gave us that opportunity because going, going back to the last time, I mean, we had nine minute possessions in some of these games, you know, and when you're asking those guys to be in it every single possession in an intense way, they're going to get worn down. Um, so I thought that that was a necessity for us. And, and again, we could have, we could have taken any one of them. I just went with, with the comfort level for us. You know, I think they're all elite, whether it's the guys who we didn't make or didn't, didn't take, or the guys we did, did take, they're all good. Um, and they're all, they're all, they all have deficiencies truthfully, you know, and we, we took what, what we thought were the best for us. Yeah, I see a list of guys in, in, in Jake Richard and, and Zach Goodrich and uh, Danny Logan and Ryan Tarafenko who are uh, athletically gifted, no question. But there's a competitive spirit there. There's a grit and a toughness that is is exceptional and, and notable in the way those guys have always played. I mean, Ryan Tarafenko shows up and you just his play jumps out at you. Danny Logan's a guy who's not going to back down from anybody, any, anywhere, anytime, any place. And I know as a goalie, those are players that you'd, you'd love to have in front of you. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Danny Logan, I think he's the best player in the world. You know, I mean, you can argue other other people, but he's the most impactful player for us in that tryout phase. When I asked the offensive guys, tell me who you don't want to go against. Almost to a man, they said Danny Logan. I went, and part of me was shocked. It's like, what, you're all picking a short stick. But he has such a presence on the ball, and he's so intense, and he's consistent. He sustains that. You know, and the thing that was so telling to me was he broke his thumb. He had surgery after the first tryout in September, and he still showed up in, in, in December. He still came out because he wanted so badly to be a part of his team, you know, and he just wanted to be around it. And to me, that was an extremely telling moment that, all right, this is extremely important to this guy. You know, so it's little cues like that that we looked for throughout the process that, uh, that, that really put people over the edge. Back to Navy, uh, 2023 season, coming off a nine and six year last year. CBS Sports Network is going to be televising their typical slate of Patriot League games this year, culminating in the, in the league championships in May, uh, May five and seven. You got a bunch of really, really cool games, uh, a bunch of Friday night games on TV. I know against uh, BU, against uh, Loyola uh, early April, and then obviously Army Navy on April 22nd uh, at seven o'clock. Uh, I, I love the night slots, especially on Fridays. How, how would you, what's notable uh, about your schedule this season uh, outside the Patriot League slate? Uh, I think, you know, Hopkins on a Friday night is certainly something that the, uh, the, the Annapolis and Baltimore area can get excited about. Um, I think that'll be a great event. 
moving army to to the nighttime uh, was was a push from TV, and I, I'm really excited about it. I think it's terrific. I think it's one of the premier events in our sport, and uh, this will give a lot of people a chance to watch it. You know, I remember before coming here, I would always try and sneak a peek at the Army Navy game, and we wouldn't play those guys. You know, so I think it'll be a great event for just a general lacrosse fan. Um, you know, I I love the nighttime aspect of our sport. I think kids enjoy playing at night. I think it gives our, our game a little bit more excitement, uh, especially when you're watching on TV. I think it shows a little bit better. Um, so, so to me, that's, that's exciting. And for us, I think the Patriot league is, is underrated. You know, I, I think towards the, through the year, you're going to have four or five teams who are going to be in that top 20 at different points of the year. And it really depends on who's going to stay healthy and, and stay consistent. I think there's, there's more competitiveness in the league than people think. Um, so I'm excited to see how that comes to fruition. I think the, uh, the news regarding a program this fall would be bringing in Mike Phipps as a, as new offensive coordinator, whose uh, lineage and roots to the Naval Academy, I, I believe date back through his grandfather who coached there. Yeah. Uh, what impact ha has coach Phipps had uh, so far through, through the fall? Well, I was busting his chops yesterday. I said, you don't call in sick. You've got, you've got enough autonomy. You just don't show up for work uh, in the new year because he's, he's struggling with the flu, but um the thing he's brought, he's brought this, this comfort level and uh, just an instant confidence, Quinn. Um, he, he's such a calm presence and he's done a great job of really listening and learning about our guys. And I can see a shift as in, in his intensity as the semester moved along where he, he came in like a true leader, trying to observe and see what he had. And now he's shifting into, all right, this is what we need to do. And I think he's he's captivated the guys in such a way that um, he's calmed them down. You know, he's made them feel a little bit more confident, you know, and, and Brad Ross did an unbelievable job of building a foundation for us, but we just didn't have depth, you know, and there were things that we wanted to do, but we just couldn't. We were trying to play lacrosse with four or five midis we can put out there. And now because Brad did a really good job in recruiting and building a fundamental base, Michael's got some more tools to play with. And he can do some things that we want to we wanted to do when we first got here, and and I think the guys feel that. But mostly, I think his personality allows them to to be a little bit more confident. Navy's ranked number seventeen in the in the latest uh, or the first poll uh, published by uh, U.S. Lacrosse Magazine. Nine and six last year, uh, a loss in the quarterfinals of the Patriot League tournament to Lehigh. The good news along the way is you beat Johns Hopkins in Baltimore and you beat Army. Uh, what what are what are goals for for year four, Coach? Yeah, I mean, listen, we got a lot of work to do, Quint, you know, and uh, I think we've got something to prove. It's been four years now for us. I, I see a shift in the program. I like the way our culture is. I, I really like this senior class and this team. I think they've got an edge to them, but we got to win some some games here that are meaningful. And, and there's no there's no doubt about that. And I think our guys know that. I know our staff does. Um, so in, in terms of tangible goals, that's it. Like we've got to show up at the end of the year. We've got to be in that in that conversation and in the equation, whatever that looks like. We, an early exit in the Patriot League tournament is not – that's not the cards for Navy Lacrosse from now until forevermore. Um, you know, we, we've got to start making hay at the end of the year. And, and those those wins throughout the year last year were, were great, and we're, we're, we're grateful for them. But when the clock ticks to May and late April, Navy's got to be around. I didn't get to watch Navy last year in person. I caught your team on tape four or five times, including uh, the high point game early. 
the Hopkins game in the middle, uh, and, and then a Loyola game later in the season. Patrick Skalniak's been a guy who has jumped off the page at me dating back to the prior year. Uh, he's, he'll score a goal here and there that just makes you say, wow, who the heck is that guy? He is ridiculously elite in terms of his ability to run and, and, and shoot. He had, what, 48 points from the midfield. Yeah. Uh, what, tell, tell the folks about, about Skalniak. I remember watching his dad play uh, in my, in my brother's era and he was a great athlete. Patrick comes from Texas. I know. And, and uh, I, I think he's a pro level midfielder personally, uh, without a doubt. I mean, I put him in the top 10, maybe in the top five nationally, he draws a lot of attention, but he's still getting great production. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, Quinn, I'm glad you recognize that. And uh, that means a lot to us and to him, I'm sure. Um, he, I agree with you. I do think he's one of the best out there. And he's when you want to design a midfielder, you're going to design most of the characteristics that Pat Skalniak has. He's big. He's strong. He can run. He can get downhill. He's got enough shake that he can he can make you miss in small spots. He's got an extremely good left hand. Um, and, and the thing that he's grown into is this, this kind of intensity to score. He wants the ball on a stick in big moments. And for him, I think his, for him to be elite, like the elite of the elite, he's got to do it consistently and not disappear in, in times. And I think that's just natural for any kid, right? You know, for him, he's got to be a threat within our offense all of the time. Uh, he knows he's going to get the attention. And I think he's blessed now that we've got some other guys out there with him that can take the spotlight away from him a little bit. And I'm curious to see what that does to his game. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach. Last year, your two leading scores with midfielders, he, he and Dane Swanson. Is that, is that yeah. accurate? That's, yeah, that's I mean, really rare. Now, obviously, that, rare. Points, that points to some issues. That's bad on the lacrosse. Pass, but... That's bad lacrosse. Point. No, I know. <laughs> well, I, talk to me about Dane Swanson. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dane is, a, he, you know, you look at him. He's a big kid. He's athletic as hell. He looks like an Adonis. He can shoot the ball as hard as anyone. He's really worked on his dodging this fall. And that's kind of the deficiency in his game where he's great off the pass. He's great at making people miss when they're coming out at him, but going downhill, he's got to, he got to develop that part of his game, you know, but he's the great, a great compliment to Patrick. And I think the, the kind of missing, the one who doesn't get the most uh, attention or he gets the least attention is Max Hewitt. I think he's our most impactful midfielder. You know, he, he, he makes the, the, he stirs the drink and he can play attack from that midfield position and come downhill and come from the low wing. So that first midfield is as good as anyone's out there. What are your expectations for Xavier Arline? Uh, watching that Army-Navy game as a, as a Navy fan, uh, there'll be no star next to the end this year in, in my family. That, that, that didn't go over well. And to see Coach Niamatololo let go after that game was, was, was it, it hurt because uh, Kenny has always treated me uh, incredibly well. Tremendous respect, uh, access. Uh, I love that man and, and uh, would love to see him back in college football next year. But you watch that game and there's your player, Xavier Arline, right, right in the fray. Uh, what emotions do you deal with uh, and, and what should we know about Xavier going forward? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I am Xavier's biggest fan. And, uh, you know, and I, was, I told him a number of times and actually Kenny and I spoke to this, spoke to each other about this before the, the Army-Navy football game that we both saw a growth in his confidence and his presence on the field. And I, I saw Xavier transform into the player that he was at Sean Winning River High School with, I'm the, I'm the man, you know, and I can do this and this is my team. And I saw that in the Notre Dame football game where I said, X, there was a confidence on that field that you brought that has not been felt around Navy football all year. 
And that was, it was, it was awesome to see. And um, so my emotions, they're around that as a fan, Quint, honestly. And the only thing besides Navy winning that I care about is that Xavier Arline gets up after every play. <laughs> you know, he gets up, he goes back to the huddle and he can run and he can do the things that athletes need to do. Um, you know, X is all in on lacrosse. You know, I talk to him often. I spoke to him yesterday. He'll be back on Friday. You know, it, it, look, there's no mystery. We're going to have some changes in the football program. What that means for him, I'm on board. You know, I know he wants to play. I know Coach Newberry has expressed that Xavier is okay to play, but there's going to be a new offensive coordinator. Spring ball will be around, and Xavier is the incumbent starter um, for Navy football. So I get that. So what, what that means, time will tell. But I can tell you that Xavier Orland is going to be at our meeting on Sunday night, and he's going to be at practice, and he's bringing his lacrosse stick. So we'll see how it goes after that. Yeah, so that, that's a, almost a weekly uh, – it seems like that may be – of something that's going to flow in, in terms of uh, in just getting a feel for what his responsibility is going to be. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I, how, I how much play. lacrosse, will he, put it this way, if he's healthy, how much lacrosse does he need to play for you to, for you to set him up, you know, put, suit him up and, and send him out on a Saturday? Does he need to be two or three practices uh, less, more, I guess, I guess it, that'll depend on what kind of role, you know, the more he's there, the bigger his role will be like this, this is uh, no one else is dealing with this. Uh, it's pretty fascinating stuff. But it, listen, it's a good problem to have. You know, you've got, I mean, he is an elite athlete and a game changer in our sport, no doubt. So we're going to figure out a way to make whatever we have to make work, work. Um, but to answer your question, and this is what we noticed last year, because he was dealing with some injuries throughout the entire season and he didn't practice much. He just doesn't understand college lacrosse, right? He's got every tool in his toolbox. He just doesn't understand college lacrosse and, and how to utilize those tools. So the more he can practice, the more impactful he's going to be. I truly believe that if he was a full-time lacrosse player, like we're looking at Mikey Powell, if he's a full-time lacrosse player, there's no doubt in my mind he's that talented. But because he's absent from lacrosse as often as he is, because he's doing other pretty cool stuff, he doesn't understand how impactful he can be and where to be impactful. So we can put him out there with one or two practices and he can play and make a difference. We did that against Army and he was the best player on the field. But over the course of a season, he'll make some bad plays because he won't be at practice, right? If he's not out there, if the more he practices, the better he's going to be. So I don't know if that's a, an answer for you, Quint. We'll figure it out because he's talented. Yeah. You, know? you, know, you think about <laughs> student athletes across the country and uh, you put him first in terms of the requirements that he's dealing with academically and, and with two sports at, at a place like uh, USNA. Uh, two attackmen, I want to ask you about Henry Tolker. Uh, now a sophomore, uh, what uh, your reaction to his first year and uh, expectations for, for this upcoming spring? Yeah, he's a tough SOB, man. I mean, he is as hard-nosed and as gritty as they come. He's the type of player that we want playing for us. He doesn't look like much. Um, you know, he's actually worked in the weight room a lot this fall and improved that improvement relative to, uh, you know, an Adonis. He's far away, but he's a great lacrosse player. He knows how to score. He knows how to pick up tough ground balls. Uh, so what I would expect him to have a similar role to last year, uh, but be a little bit more kind of gritty and in your face, you know, like he brings that presence to the offensive end. When Navy has goal scorers, they're generally really good. Uh, to me, that's historically been the issue. You got to get guys who can put the ball in the net. Uh, Matt Haley's a freshman with, with some uh, 
you know, some, some uh, attention coming his way prior to uh, entry, entry. Is he a guy that potentially could see the field right away? There's no doubt. There were times when we do a depth chart each week in the fall where Matt Kelly was right at the top. He's extremely talented. He showed a confidence beyond uh, plebe year this year already, um, which is surprising and, and encouraging. You know, he's got every tool out there. He can score. He's a better scorer than I thought he would be, truthfully. Um, he's not afraid to dodge. He takes on big matchups, at least against our good defensemen. And when we went against Penn, he handled a really good defenseman. So I think the big thing is, you know, you don't know as a plebe what happens in the spring. It's such a long year for them. Can he sustain the, the level of success he had in the fall now when we're in it five, six days a week? You know, I think he can, and I have high expectations for him. Uh, and I think he's going to be a guy that is, people are going to notice with a Navy uniform on from, from day one until, until the next four years. Coach, who are some other guys maybe this fall or from year one to year two, or let's say year two to year three, who are, are emerging and, and, and moving up the charts uh, within your program? Yeah, offensively, offensively. Jonathan Jarose, I'm telling you, Quint, you, you got to get your eyes on him. Um, he reminds me a lot of Ian Dingman. He's six foot five. He's 240 pounds. And Michael Phipps, probably the best thing he said this fall, he said, you know what the problem, Joe, is with Jarose? He said, you guys focus too much on what he did wrong as opposed to what he does right. And the guy can score, he can dodge, and he's a matchup nightmare. He drops the ball sometimes. Sometimes he throws the ball out of bounds. His skills aren't the best, but he's a monster. He's a monster, and he knows how to score and get to the cage. So we got to live and die with some of his mistakes and give him the confidence that he deserves. He's a junior. He wants to prove. He wants to play, and he's going to. And uh, I think he is the key ingredient for us. You take Skalniak and Orline and Swanson and Hewitt out of it. Jarose is the key because if Orline plays Tolker, Haley, Ripley, other guys in that left-handed spot, and you Jarose now, who's going to guard him? The second defenseman, the third defenseman, you know? So that, and you know, you mentioned before our midfield was our leading scorer. We need some presence at attack. If we yeah. can't figure out how to get a six foot five guy who can score on the field, then we can't coach. <laughs> you know, I I enjoyed watching uh, Jackson Bonnets last summer in, in Ireland playing for Team USA, and and all reports are, are that this uh, this young man is 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 off the charts in, in every regard. What 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 does he mean to the program? No, everything. He's a Navy lacrosse player. You know, he is everything that you would think. You know, the people that you met, your brother spent time with, every everything that everyone looks at this place as being, Jackson Bonnets is that. You know, he's a 3.3 student, works his tail off in the classroom. He is revered around the yard in terms of a presence in the brigade. Uh, you know, this is a great story about Jackson Bonnets. Stacy Michaud, who's our, our sports information um, lady, you know, she does an unbelievable job for our program. She came into my office yesterday. She goes, I got a text from Jackson Bonnets on Friday. I said, well, about what? She goes, he was just checking in on me and wanted to make sure that I had a great holiday. She's like, I thought he wanted something. He didn't want anything. He just wanted to say hello and wish me a happy new year. And like, that's the type of person Jackson Bonnets is. He's a killer on the field, but he's an unbelievable human being off, you know? And um, yeah, I'm proud to coach him. Tell me about face-offs. I know that was a little bit of a, uh, question mark last season what, what what's what's a depth chart look like this year yeah we have we have some guys back we have um you know Nate, Nate Hammond's a senior 
and he was around 50 some odd percent. You know, I think he'll be, he'll climb up there. And if he can get to 55%, that would be great. Um, Anthony Gobriel is an extremely talented. Uh, he's a youngster for us. I'm sorry, so, yeah, sophomore for us. And he was a plebe last year and was hurt. He had a, a shoulder injury and did not come back until the end of the year. So he worked really hard on his body and his skills. I think he's extremely talented. I think with those two guys, we've got a chance to be decent, you know, and if we can get it in the mid fifties, that's good enough. You know, that's all we really need. Unfortunately for us, we, we go against two of the best faceoff guys in our league in the country with Sisselberger, you know, and Calderon. Um, but uh, that's just the way it is, you know, so we'll deal with it. Calderon from BU, uh, Sisselberger, obviously from Lehigh Navy's last playoff appearance back in 2016, they beat Yale. Uh, in just a, a rousing first round game. I believe that was up in Connecticut. I remember that game. I didn't call it. I think Clark was there. Uh, as you assess the, the Patriot League, uh, I covered BU towards the end of last year uh, in, their, uh, in their playoff game. Lehigh, always, always unique. What, what, what makes, now that you've been through it a couple of times, what makes this league unique? It's not an easy travel league. Uh, some of these schools are out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, Scheme wise, the teams seem to vary quite a bit. They're all over the place. I mean, they really are. You know, I think everybody has, most have a, a unique identity, right? Bucknell's got that chaotic spirit to them, you know, and, and BU does a little bit, but but a little bit differently. Like they're, they're disciplined in their chaos. You know, they've got this wild offense that I think there's discipline to it. And, and they, they 10 man ride and Ryan's done a really good job of, of making that program what it is. You know, uh, Lehigh, I give I mean, Kevin does such a good job in recruiting and finding the right players to fit his system. And, and Sisselberg is terrific. He's elite, but their other players are good. Their zone defense is a, is a, is a killer, you know, and they, they use it really, really well. And in times we charted them last year, I think it was 112 possessions. John Orson just did this, this study over in the fall, 112 possessions. I think they got scored on eight times in their zone defense. It was some number like that, which is remarkable. You know, um, and Loyola, listen, Charlie and Mark and, and, and Maddie Dwan, I think they're three of the best coaches in the, on the planet. Right. And regardless of talent, they're always going to be good, you know. And then you look at like Matt Kerwick last year. Those guys were three goals away from being in the tournament in the NCAA tournament because, you know, and those guys have something to prove, you know. And um, and listen, JL is a, is a Navy guy, so he's going to gonna get it right up there. So it's a, it's going to be a league that's tough to get through. And everyone, like you said, is, is unique in their own way. I won't talk yeah, about, I get, I won't talk about I, the I, army guys. Yeah. I got, I got to see Lafayette late, late in the season. I was really impressed with two or three of their guys, uh, their, their game at Virginia. They're yeah. moving in the right direction. I, I'll tell you what, Lafayette will be better in 2023, uh, considerably better. Like I, I think I, they I, might be in the top four in terms of talent in our league. They have everybody back that one attack when they have is excellent and I tell you what, those kids play their tails off for Pat. They play their tails off for him. Yeah, I, I was really impressed. So as practice starts, Coach, are, uh, you got about three weeks before that first scrimmage. Is that, is that the way it shakes down? Yes. Well, uh, how, how do you handle? How do you handle the month of January? You start start slow, go easy, uh, focus on strength and conditioning, installation, mm -hmm. uh, player evaluations, a little of everything. Like how do you, how do you how do you deal with the month of January? Yeah, so we vary. We're going to go uh, the kind of peaks and valleys with, with some intense days and then some really slow days. We're going to do a little bit more walkthrough, kind of like an NFL model uh, for the first three weeks. 
to try and keep our guys healthy. You know, we've got to limit the soft tissue injuries early in the season. And I think we get more out of um, slower movement than more intense consistency, right? The old, the days of we're going to bury these guys the first three weeks and every practice is, is going to be a challenge. You, you can't do it, especially here, you know, with the lack of sleep and, and hydration and just things they have to deal with. We have to be a little bit more mindful. So we're going to have some 45 minute or 60 minute practices that will resemble uh, some walkthrough, you know, just to make sure the cerebral part of what we need to do is in place. And then when we go intense, we're going to go. We're going to go really intense. And what we've done is we want to give our guys at least three evaluation points before our first game. So we're going to have two full game scrimmages prior to playing Virginia, where we'll bring in referees and it'll be a, a full game event. And we'll split the team up even so that guys can move up and down the depth chart. Right. So you come to work for practice, you're getting better. There's development, but there's not the pressure of, man, I got to make this play right now because it's do or die. I want that pressure in the game event. So we're going to do that. Um, not on Saturdays. It's going to be kind of mixed into our schedule based on the, the highs and lows of the intensity of practice and, um, and give our guys a chance to move up and down the depth chart. And hopefully after Virginia, we'll know who we, who we're going to put out there against Mount St. Mary's. Non-league schedule includes Villanova, Hopkins, High Point, uh, Hofstra. You'll go head up back up to the island and an interesting game against Queens. It's the first time I've seen uh, Queen Queens. Is that an actual game or is that a scrimmage on the thing? It's a game. Uh, you know, Chris Panos and I were, were college roommates. Um, and, and Quint, look, when I was at Marquette, I was so thankful for the guys who decided to put us on their schedule. And I know what that meant to to us and to our sport. And like that, it's my way of giving back, you know, I think it's another opportunity for us to, to get an evaluation and play. And we could have added a scrimmage, but let's play games. Let's, let's play and let's get out there and let's figure out a way to, to play a lacrosse game uh, so that we can evaluate who we are. You should be applauded for that. You know, I, I've often believed that each team should have one game on their, on their schedule that doesn't count towards their RPI to include teams like Hampton and Queens and now Lindenwood, uh, how can we invite them? How can we want to grow and then turn around and say, well, don't play them. You can't play them because you're going to kill your RPI. So I think it's talking out of both sides of our mouth. If you're, good enough, Quint, if you're good enough, you're going to be in the tournament, you know, like, and, yeah, like, and it's going to come well, down to, did you, did you win one more game? I don't give yeah. a, I don't, I don't care about, you know, who was on your schedule. If you won one more game and you're good enough, you're going to be in. You know, and, and I, again, I, you should be applauded for putting Queens on the schedule. Uh, Chris Panos and I, I think we were teammates in indoor. We went ahead. I, I know, I, I know, I took a couple cross checks to the neck from Panos along the line. Yeah, they were probably cheap shots. I can tell you that because he's not cross checking anybody from the front. That's for sure. <laughs> well, Coach Ample, look forward to uh, to watching you guys this spring. Uh, enjoy your January. I can tell you're fired up and ready to go. Congratulations with all the Team USA stuff, you guys. Uh, uh, heading towards what should be a, a remarkable summer uh, in San Diego. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Always good to see you. Best to everybody at, at Navy, uh, including Stacy and, and, and the whole bunch. Thank you. Thanks, Clint. Talk soon, man. All right, bye -bye. Yep. Fed up with the same old generic lacrosse clothing? Check out Hobo Lacks, the new up-and-coming lacrosse streetwear company, making even the dustiest of players look drippier than a chocolate sundae. 
visit www.hobolax.com and use code QUINT to get 50% off your first purchase. That's hobolax, H-O-B-O-L-A-X.com and the code QUINT, Q-U-I-N-T, all caps, for 15% off your first purchase.